Hello, Beat Check listeners. I'm Gosia Wozniacka, and I'm the environmental justice reporter at The Oregonian. Today, I'm with Ada Crandall, a recent graduate of Grant High School in Portland. Before heading to university, Ada, who is 17 years old, is taking a gap year to work as a full-time climate organizer with the Sunrise Movement, which is a national climate youth organization. At the end of September, students from 50 school districts across the country, including Ada, launched a new national campaign called the Green New Deal for Schools. This campaign aims to spur climate action at both the local and national levels. The youth campaign supports a bill newly introduced in the U.S. Congress that proposes to invest $1.6 trillion nationwide to create jobs and eliminate carbon emissions in schools. So today, Ada and I are going to talk about the Green New Deals for Schools student campaign, the newly introduced bill, and the backdrop of what's going on with climate education and climate denial in schools. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Ada. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So let's dive in. Um, for starters, let's talk about the student-led Green New Deal for Schools campaign, um, which was launched by youth at the end of September. Um, can you tell us who is leading the campaign, what your role in it is, and what does the campaign hope to accomplish? Yeah. So the Green New Deal for Schools is a vision to transform our school system to face the climate crisis and invest in Black, Brown, and working class communities. Um Last month, students at 50 different schools around the country launched their campaigns to petition their local school districts um, to meet five main demands, which are free and healthy lunches, safe and clean buildings, um, pathways to green jobs, climate curriculum, and climate disaster plans in their schools. Um, And yeah, my job essentially is to support these students who are running the campaigns share um, like what I've learned from my experience as a youth climate organizer um, and help them collaborate with students around the country and like coach them and, and provide support. Got it. And they're going to be campaigning at their school level or the national level or both? Yeah. So all of the the students at these like 50 school hubs, they are running local school district campaigns asking their specific districts um, to pass a Green New Deal for Schools resolution There are different resolutions depending on the school district. Some of them for districts that have more funding are asking the district to actually implement all of these things. And then some of the resolutions are simply saying, we as a district support the Green New Deal for schools and we are calling on the federal government to provide us the funding necessary to do these things. Um, And collectively across um, these 50 local campaigns, we are building the power um, and like grassroots support to pass national legislation eventually. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, let's talk about this national legislation, because this uh, youth-led campaign uh, supports a bill that was introduced in the U.S. Congress, uh, which is also called the Green New Deal for Public Schools Act. Uh, And this bill, among other things, would create an Office of Sustainable Schools within the U.S. Department of Education, which would uh, administer uh, massive amounts of grants uh, for school districts, uh, $1.6 trillion available to schools nationwide. So it's a really hefty sum. Um, Where would this funding go? What is this uh, bill uh, hoping to do for schools nationwide? Yeah, so this bill would be like a landmark investment in public education. Um, It's one and a half trillion dollars to prepare our schools to face the climate crisis. So that means retrofitting retrofitting our buildings, uh, making sure that things are electrified, making sure that students have clean air and clear clean water. I know like my middle school was next to a freeway and we we were breathing like toxic pollution all day. No, no student should have to 
deal with that. Um, it's also doing things like making sure that we have updated curriculum, making sure that teachers are being paid good wages um, and that we're actually like investing in, you know, the, the next generation of people and the people who are teaching the next generation of people, mm-hmm. um, making sure that we have mental health supports for students, just generally like, yeah, funding public education at a time when it is so, so critical for like literally the future of society. This legislation, as the name suggests, uh, continues the legacy of the Green New Deal, uh, which was introduced uh, in 2019, so about four years ago, uh, by legislators like uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Ed Markey. Um, That proposal uh, was a proposal to reform America's energy system, create high energy jobs in the renewable sector, and uh, ensure the benefits of the energy transition um, benefit everybody, um, including low-income and minority communities. And since that uh, original uh, Green New Deal was proposed, we've seen the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which is pouring already pouring millions of dollars um, to help transform our energy system, uh, both at the national level and locally. And we've also seen these politicians ascend uh, to pretty powerful positions. I, I'm wondering with these, this new uh, proposal, the Green New Deal for schools, is the hope that the same thing will happen, um, that it will spur a national movement? Um, and is, is this uh, campaign, original campaign, uh, the Green New Deal, uh, an inspiration to you as an organizer? Yeah, the the Green New Deal is absolutely an inspiration to me. Um, The Green New Deal is the only um, like policy framework to actually stop the climate crisis at the speed and the scale that science and justice demand. Right. Um, And so the IRA, which, yeah, was passed recently is, well, first of all, I'll say like the IRA would never have passed without the, the sustained work of community and climate organizers. Um, and also it's like extremely watered down, right? It's, it's like the biggest climate investment we've ever made, but it's still so, so far from what we need. Um, and so, yeah, youth across the country are calling for like a full green new deal, um, making sure that we're investing in like creating green jobs, like putting people to work, um, with living wages, um, in, in the, yeah, in the jobs that will help us transform our society to stop the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. And specifically in schools. Yeah. So the, yeah, the Green New Deal for schools is kind of like a, a, a sector of the Green New Deal. Right. Um, so it's like applying Green New Deal. Um, yeah. Green New Deal type vision and policy to our school system specifically. And the idea with the Green New Deal for schools is that when we transform our schools to face the climate crisis, we essentially will pave the way for the rest of society to follow. Right. Because we will show our communities this is what a Green New Deal could look like. This is how it can benefit everyday people. Um, and eventually, yeah, like pass that. Um, nationally, which fits into like the other campaigns that Sunrise is running, which are like Green New Deal for communities, um, where people are doing similar organizing at like city levels. Yeah. And it's an interesting that you mentioned that because I think, uh, you know, in Portland, which is a pretty progressive city and, uh, you know, some parts of Oregon, there is also uh, local uh, efforts to uh uh, basically move forward some of these ideas that are included in the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, but maybe, you know, have not received as much funding. So, for example, in Portland, we've got the Portland Clean Energy Community Benefits Fund, uh, which is distributing funding to various uh, groups, organizations, and uh, government uh 
governments as well to uh, basically uh, fund additional programs uh, that are focused on uh, climate resiliency. And one of the uh, funding uh, uh, projects is basically uh, retrofits of local schools. Um, so it's going to be funding that will help local schools fulfill um, some of their you know, obligations to improve the school buildings, uh, make them more climate resilient, make them, you know, more uh, better ventilated, uh, you know, and less uh, less of an emitter of greenhouse gases. So there's that sort of uh, local efforts as well. I want to talk a little bit about what the Portland public schools system is doing. You've just graduated from Grant, and so you're connected to that school system. Can you tell us a little bit about what uh, the PPS uh, climate policy is, Portland public schools, um, what they're doing? Yeah, so a couple years ago, um, PPS passed what is essentially the strongest climate crisis response policy of any school district in the country. Um, although I will say the bar for that was quite low. Um, but yeah, basically this this policy, which again, would not have passed without the sustained organizing of students and community members and like people showing up at board meetings all the time and like doing climate strikes for years and years, um, the district would not have done this on their own. Um, but essentially the policy um, talks about, yeah, like decarbonizing our buildings, getting electric school buses, um, investing in things like mental health support, um, and also like climate curriculum, uh, which are all, you know, really, really great things and are like, again, fall short of what a Green New Deal for schools would actually look like in PPS, but is a major step in the right direction. Um, and right now the fight is really about making sure that PPS is held accountable to actually implementing the things that they passed in those policies. Mm-hmm. So how do they, do they have any goalpost? you know, we will accomplish X, Y, and Z by this year, or um, like how how are they going to be accountable for what they've announced that they plan to do? That is a great question. I believe that there are some like year goalposts written into the policy. I'm not entirely familiar with what those are. Yeah, they promise to reduce emissions specifically fifty uh, percent by fifty percent by 2030, and yeah. they plan to reach net zero by 2040. Great. That's just specifically to the emissions from their buildings and transportation. Yeah, I would say, obviously, I am, you know, I am not a climate scientist. I'm not an engineer. But based on what I have seen PPS doing, we're not on track to actually do that. Right. Um, like things like, you know, the new schools that are being remodeled are actually like not in line with that vision of decarbonization. Um and yeah, there's been a, a, a large amount of like pushback on that. And I know for a fact that we're still not being taught a comprehensive climate curriculum. You know, like I chose to graduate high school a year early because I felt like the like sitting in a high school classroom wasn't actually preparing me to go into the world of the climate crisis. Um, and I felt like my time could be so much better spent organizing. And I wish that school had like given me the support that I needed, but it didn't. Were you involved in the in this uh, helping draft this policy or? helping push for it? I Yeah, I was not involved in the drafting policy, but I was involved in like the student advocacy efforts. We did a lot of like testimony at school board meetings. Um, it was also like at a certain point, one of the demands of like the youth climate strikes, which I helped lead for the last few years. Got it. And district officials, from what I understand, yeah, you know, they've come out 
uh, in support of uh, the students' push for more climate action. And they basically said they're you know, likely to expand their climate policy in the future uh, as time goes by. Uh, you mentioned that their uh, policies and actions still fall, fall short of the full Green New Deal for schools. What can what can PPS do um, when it comes to climate action that would uh, basically fulfill your your hopes for a green school or a district? Yeah, they need to be more ambitious. Um, we need to be doing things that don't feel like politically possible right now. Um, and to, to meet the stakes of the climate crisis, we have to do things that have never been done before. And I think that can be really scary for a lot of people in power. Um, but yeah, right now, like we need to make decisions that feel really big. Like we need to really go above and beyond to make sure that the new buildings that we're building are like in line with these standards. We need to be providing free lunch to all students. We need to be actually teaching students in their classrooms in every subject, really, not just in science class. We need to be teaching them about the climate crisis. We need to be teaching them how to get involved in local organizing. We need to be teaching them that like they can do something about this and then, like giving them the tools that they need to succeed. Um, I think that the green jobs demand of the Green New Deal for schools is is also potentially really relevant. PPS has been getting a lot better lately about promoting like different um, like trade education programs. Um, but I think that they could do a lot more in terms of like connecting people with with other green careers, like really putting people to work, stopping the climate crisis. Um, and yeah, I think Portland just as, yeah, as a pretty progressive city really has the opportunity to be a leader on climate action. And we are in a lot of ways, um, but we're going to need to be a lot more ambitious, both to meet the needs of students in Portland and also to really like spark change nationally and show other districts that this is possible. Got it. Um, thank you for giving us those great examples. I think that really uh, kind of makes more sense uh, to our listeners uh, to know exactly what they could improve. Um, can we talk a little bit about the climate justice piece? Um, so climate change is obviously impacting everyone in Oregon, but it's especially uh, exacerbating racial, socioeconomic inequities, and in both in the community and in schools. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how that relates uh, to what's going on in the Portland Public School District and what specifically the district uh, is doing and could do more to address climate justice. For sure, yeah. The Green New Deal for Schools is it's about climate, right? But it's also about trying to undo like decades of strategic racism and strategic like disinvestment in majority black and brown schools. Um, our school system is like extremely segregated. Um, and yeah, it's not a coincidence that often, like especially like, yeah, in, in PPS specifically, like the wealthier, whiter schools tend to have more resources. They tend to have, you know, like better infrastructure in their buildings. Um, things like that. Um, and, you know, there are like really stark differences between um, schools like Jefferson in Portland that have like a majority black student body and schools like my school at Grant that is predominantly white um, in terms of just like, yeah, like the quality of the buildings, like the classes that we have, just generally what's happening in the schools. Um, and so PPS loves to talk about equity and racial justice, right? Um, but then a lot of the time what they're doing actually really falls short. 
Um, and, you know, it's not students' job to to propose, like, the exact steps of, like, what it takes to fix this. That's what our school board members should be doing. Um, but they really need to, like, think beyond um, what they think is possible right now and, like, make sure um, that all schools um, in our district and also, like, across the country, um, that all schools are providing students what they need, no matter their zip code, no matter the color of their skin. Um, we should all have access to a safe and healthy education. Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, Portland is a pretty progressive city uh, in when it comes to climate action and student climate action. You know, I can think of a few other cities like Portland, uh, including Eugene or Bend or even like Oswego that are sort of at the forefront of advancing some of these climate uh, uh, ideas and uh, education and policies. But uh, there are other districts in our state, especially smaller uh, smaller rural districts that uh, don't have a lot of resources and for ver- uh, various reasons are yet to adapt similar policies. Uh, and so it, I came across this organization called Oregon Educators for Climate Education, and they have been pushing for more uh, pre-K through 12 climate education for Oregon students across our state. And Uh, when we say climate education, it's not just in science, like you mentioned, but it's across all all the subject uh, areas. Uh, And so Oregon Educators for Climate Education has been uh, trying to push forward a climate education bill, um, hoping to take this concept across the entire state. Uh, The bill died this summer, but they're going to continue uh, with another one. Uh, So I'm wondering, Ada, if you can talk a little bit as a student who just graduated, what is the importance of uh, climate education? Why is it important for students and not just in science class? And why is it important to teach climate education across these different subject areas starting in pre-kindergarten? What, what is the purpose of that? At its root, like it's absolutely unreasonable um, for adults to expect that our generation will solve the climate crisis when we're not being taught the basic facts um, about what's going on in our schools. Um, And really the extent of the climate education that I had throughout school was like, yeah, in science, we would learn about like the temperature is rising, you know, like the coral reefs, the polar bears, stuff like that. Um, And then anything that really connected to like the intersections of climate change and like how it, how it connects with like race and class Um, was because I had specific teachers that like went really above and beyond and like out of their way to make sure that we were learning things, Um, which is great, but like it shouldn't fall on individual teachers to be like making their own um, curriculum, right? Like it should be a standardized part of our curriculum. Um, Yeah, and I think it's it's really important that students understand that like the climate crisis is not just an environmental issue, it's a social issue. Um, It's like impacting... Um, black, brown, and working class communities the most. Um, And the solutions have to be intersectional as well, right? Like it's not just about like environmental engineering. Um, It's about things like transforming our schools. It's about transforming our political system. It's about, you know, it's about like labor issues and and race and class and like all of these other things. Um, And we need to be setting up students with the the knowledge to actually go into the world um, and change those systems. Got it, got it. 
And I think one thing we should mention too is that there's an important backdrop to this conversation about climate education specifically and climate ed- policies in schools, uh, which is that in some conservative states, the very idea that uh, human caused climate change is a thing is under assault. Uh, and uh, so these views uh, about um, you know what climate change is or isn't and uh, that perhaps it's not a real thing or it's not caused by humans are making their, their way into classrooms in some parts of the country. Uh, I'm wondering if you can give us a couple examples of that uh, and where it's happening and, and talk about why this is a problem for students. Yeah, the way that the climate crisis is talked about varies drastically from district to district. Um, you know, like some people are like Portland and they have like the this like climate policy that's, you know, mostly kind of, like kind of good, but hasn't quite been implemented yet. Then there are other districts, like you said, that are just like kind of flat out deny that the climate crisis exists. Um, and that's in Oregon, too. Like a lot of the time when people think of Oregon, it's like Portland because it's like the biggest major city. Um, but the, yeah, there are a lot of districts in like rural Oregon um, that, yeah, are like really not up to standards in terms of climate education, even like in like Newburgh th- doing things like like banning pride flags, um, stuff like that, which is like, you know, not inherently connected to, to climate, but it is connected to like trying to like prevent students from learning about like the world and a variety of different people and identities and like making students feel like welcome and supported in their schools, things like that. Um, and so, like I said, like my job is to coach students around the country who are running this campaign. Um, and a lot of them in more conservative districts are, you know, facing a lot of hurdles. Like I have a group that I'm working with in Atlanta, Georgia, that they're they're like not even allowed to talk about the climate crisis in their school because it's it's considered a divisive topic. Um, and you know, there are students in Florida who like are having trouble starting organizing because like all of these books are being banned and like the schools won't talk about things that are like seen as political. Um, there's a group I'm working with in Bozeman, Montana, where their school district is like refusing to uh, to like consider the Green New Deal for schools resolution. Yeah, because they see it as this inherently political thing um, that's like, you know, it's like too political for the classroom. Um, when in reality, like these are very basic things that we're asking for, right? Like we are, we're asking for, you know, clean water and clean air and like a, a future. Um, and yeah, I think the other important context here is that the right has really strategically like waged this, this battle on our schools, um, right? They've they've tried to ban books. They've attacked like our queer and trans friends. They've tried to prevent us from learning the truth about the climate crisis or about systemic racism. Um, and you know, the right would not be targeting schools if they didn't know that schools are where the power lies, right? Because they know that if our generation learns the truth about the climate crisis, learns the truth about how our government has like intentionally divided us by race and class, they know that if we learn those things and we learn how to organize, we are like a major threat um, to the stronghold that the right has on our government. And so they're going to a great extreme lengths to actually like lying to people and, and like trying to co-opt our curriculum because they are scared of, of the power that we can build in our schools. Going back to this idea of bringing cons- consistent climate education to classrooms in Oregon, uh, where, you know, maybe the climate... Uh, uh, or the the way people feel towards climate change is not necessarily so uh, divisive, uh, at least not in most school districts, uh, or at least outwardly divisive. Um, sometimes people think that climate change is a depressing topic, 
you know, that, uh, and why should we put it on students and make them learn about it in every single class and kind of hammer it that, you know, we live in this climate crisis. Uh, and, you know, this is kind of a devil's advocate question, but, uh, you know, just wondering uh, if, you know, if this is not something that will make things worse in a way or, you know, make students feel even more down about the situation that they're in. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, I guess the first thing that I'll say is that this is being put on us whether or not we're learning about it in school. Like, regardless of if we're being told it, um, you know, like our generation is really going to make or break, like whether or not we can continue to survive on this planet. Um, like the next 10 years are, are arguably the most important 10 years in, um, in human history. And so it's really, it's not really a choice between like, oh, like teach about the climate crisis and put it on students or don't teach about it and don't put it on students. It's like, it's being put on us either way. And if I'm going to have, you know, the greatest crisis that humanity has ever faced placed on, on my shoulders, then I want to be learning about it in school, right? I want to be learning how to fix it in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe the emphasis, maybe the emphasis partly is on the fix and the solutions. I think that's one of the things that I'm hearing uh, in the Green New Deal is, you know, the fix, the solution, the jobs. um, So kind of empowering students as opposed to maybe putting them down. Yeah. Um, And I, I honestly think that like, Yes, I think it's it's really important that we're like being honest with students about the severity of this crisis. Again, because we're we're learning about it either way. Like I I saw this thing online recently that was like people will like, will experience the climate crisis through a series of like videos of disasters that like other people take until one day like the, you're the person taking the video, right? And like the disaster is right there. Um, and yeah, like we're gonna see on the news all these climate disasters. We're gonna see it either way. And so school. Um, like schools are a place where people really like form their values and form their worldview and form the way that they think about things. Um, and so school has the opportunity to like frame this as something where it's like, okay, these things are happening and we have enormous power to like take action. Um, and yeah, like teaching people about the solutions, teaching people about social movements, teaching people about the fact that like almost every successful social movement throughout history has been led by young people and that you know, students and communities have an enormous amount of power when we like come together and demand change from the government. Um, Teaching people about things like that. And then like, yeah, training people to actually go into the workforce and like do, do these things Um, like connecting people with community organizing, doing, doing stuff like that. Um, Which yeah, is super important. And like the climate crisis is terrifying. Right. But the way that we talk about it in schools doesn't have to be demoralizing. Got it. Um, I think in closing, I would just want to ask you, um, you know, as a human being, as, as a young person, a 17-year-old uh, who's graduating into the world, uh, how do you deal with this climate crisis personally and what keeps you going? What keeps you wanting to do this work? Yeah, it's really hard um, and it can feel really easy to fall into like despair and hopelessness. Um But then I think about it and I remember that like that hopelessness and that apathy, like that is exactly what the fossil fuel industry like wants us to do. Um, And so really the thing that has kept me going in this work is my peers, um, is the people that I organize with and being able to, yeah, wake up in the morning um, and work with my team of people who all like really believe in this vision for the future 
um, and who are able to come together and like have this really kind of like radical hope. Um, and yeah, I don't consider myself a super optimistic person, but being, um, being in community with people, um, is really like what keeps me going and reminds me that I'm not alone in this fight because there are, you know, there are millions of people, um, that are all doing this together. Like none of us are alone in this. Got it. And it sounds like the uh, Green New Deal for Schools movement is bringing even more people uh, into the fold and uh, helping more students organize and find that community that you're mentioning. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one one other thing that I'll add about the, the sort of like local campaigns component of this um, mm-hmm. is that all of the students who yeah are running this campaign, they know that, yes, they're fighting for students in their own school district and they're building power for this national thing, but they also know that like winning in their school district, say like winning a Green New Deal for schools in Bozeman, Montana, like that's helping people win a Green New Deal for schools in Atlanta, Georgia. It's helping people win a Green New Deal for schools in Miami and Philadelphia. And like we, you know, climate action is gonna look different in all of these districts, um, but all of the work is like so deeply like tied together. Um, and like, you know, national legislation supports local work and like the local work builds momentum to pass the national legislation and all of these local campaigns. Like, you know, every week I get on, get on a call with my group of students that I'm coaching and they're all like sharing advice and they're saying like, oh, my district did this, like this works to recruit people. Like we are building a movement that is so much more powerful than anything that the far right um, or that the fossil fuel industry can throw at us. Um, right. And so, Yeah. If, if I was a fossil fuel billionaire right now, I would be very afraid um, because students are building so much power across the country and we are going to win a Green New Deal for schools. Well, let's stop here. Ada, this has been a really important conversation. Uh, thank you so much for sharing it with all of our listeners. Uh, we're going to be following this topic closely in the future stories in the Oregonian and online at OregonLive.com. And I'm going to drop a few links uh, to relevant stories and some of the uh, things that you mentioned uh, in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show and tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism and stories like this one is with a subscription to OregonLife.com. You can do that at OregonLife.com slash pod support. Until next time. Thank you, Ada. Thank you.